Welcome back to Bench Busted, a brand new FPL podcast with me and Jack, where we talk about how badly our teams have performed or how well our teams have performed over the course of the week. As always, joined by Jack. How are you doing, Jack? Not too bad, actually. You know what? Yeah, it's it's, it's been an interesting week of football. Games coming thick and fast, as you know, and I'm OK. I love I love that that start that I'm not too bad because let's start. Let's just start straight in at the very beginning of the week. Jack, you you benched Susek and he he got two goals, got a bunch of points and he was he, he didn't come off your bench and you were fuming. I, I think you, I believe you said the words, the week is over for me already. Is that right? Well, the, look, do you know what it is? And do you know what it was? Is the deadline was approaching. I left work and I was having a look at my team on the train and I was, you know, just looking at a lot of things on social media as well and seeing a lot of people putting Suchek first on their bench. And I was like, well, is there something, you know, do they know something that I don't? I I initially had Suchek playing, as you know, and I don't know what it was. I don't know why I just decided, you know what, I'm going to bench Suchek and play Dallas instead. And, you know what, it's come back to bite me. It is what it is. Um, Suchek, as you say, getting two goals, fifteen points as well. I've done that. I've I've done it a couple. It's of nice times. to hear that you're at peace with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've done it a couple of times this season where I've made some last minute changes. Certainly, you, you know, you'll remember when there were rumours about Salah being benched. I swapped the captain's armband. My captain subsequently blanked and Salah came off the bench and scored two goals and got an assist in half an hour. And it's, it's happened a couple of times. And I think, again, that's just me getting itchy fingers and maybe being too active on social media around the deadline time. And, and I think I'm. it's something that I want to try and refrain from, but it's, it's difficult, man. Yeah, I mean, certainly... It can help a lot of the time. So it used to help a lot more when you'd be able to see um, whether a player was being was being benched or not, especially uh, like a player that you might have captained in the Salah example. It's just bad luck there because if I'd have if I hadn't have been massively hungover, I probably would have switched the the, uh, the armband off off Salah too. But I'd have probably put it on Fernandez. No, I didn't even own Fernandez then. Absolute lie. Um, I would have put it on someone who'd have blanked as well. I think we've had very similar weeks, actually, in that respect, Jack. It's a shame that you benched Susek because, um, one, can't really say his name, and now I have to say it quite a lot. And two, <laughs> you've always, you always like to, you love him. You're, you're always talking to me about him. He was, yep, he's going to just bag a brace. He's going to, he's going to pop in some goals. And I love it when he performs well for you because, uh, because you, you have been bigging him up for a long, long time now. Um, so alas. A bit of a mistake, as I was saying. Similar for me, because the decision I made this week, um, the transfer decision I made this week, was to take out Trent for Chilwell. Because <laughs> although I really believe in Trent, I um, I, I, I just I just wanted to make the money. I wanted to try and get some money towards buying KDB in the future. It felt like a clever idea at the time. It all It's all backfired, though, because the moment I bought Chilwell in, he's immediately... Uh, uh, Lampard's immediately fired, and and then Trent goes and scores and and gets an assist yesterday against Tottenham. So I've lost out on nine points there in a free transfer, and I feel a bit like a fool for it. So uh, we both made some silly decisions. Not silly. We've both made decisions that I think were clever that backfired this week, Jack. Yeah, I, I think you you know you you touched on it just then, but I feel like this is definitely a. a a topic um, that we need to discuss and we'll get into FPL in in a moment, I'm sure. But yeah, Frank Lampard, 
getting sacked from your beloved Chelsea. Um, I mean, sort of saw it coming, didn't we, really, with the, the recent results that, that Chelsea were getting and, and, you know, dropping down the table. Because, as you may remember, at one point earlier in the season, they were actually top of the Premier League table and it's been a bit of a downward spiral ever since. They spent a lot of money in the summer, as everyone knows. Werner and Havertz haven't perhaps lived up to their potential there were several reports of Lampard losing the dressing room and not having any tactical nous about him. And, and it was, I guess, yeah, certainly at a club like Chelsea and given the modern game at the moment, and it is very much a, a results-driven sport, It's uh, it was going to happen. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't give him a bit more time. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a difficult one now because we are... In the midst of an FPL season, and they've appointed Thomas Tuchel, and now there's that question as well about whether or not the Chelsea players are going to be able to adapt to a new system, a new tactical style of football, and and how that's going to impact them not only in in the Premier League in general, but from an FPL point of view, is is are the Chelsea assets something that now we potentially need to be looking at certainly going forward if we think that Tuchel is going to be able to get the best out of the Germans in in that team oh man it's a huge question isn't it I I have no idea and and that's that's the truth and it's going to be so it's going to be so fun to find out I I I actually it was you said it early on there the writing was on the wall and, and I think actually the last podcast was the only time this season where I've said I think Lampard should go and uh, funnily enough, he did immediately afterwards. And and I think it's because it was just so obvious after after the run of results that Chelsea have had that, that it just wasn't working. Um, but you're so right. And did you read, there was an article put out by The Athletic just after the firing or, or as the news was breaking about all of the things going on. So much snaky behaviour from players, it seems like. I can't believe that, that somehow Kepa um, has outlasted Two managers now. It's madness. How does this boy still make... It sounds like there's a lot of player power at the club. So I'd certainly wait. And I'm, I'm a bit sad that I own Chilwell because he came off for tactical reasons in that in the game against Wolves, where Chelsea drew with Wolves, 0-0. And we'll go through the results in a bit anyway. But he came off it after 70 minutes for tactical reasons. Um, and Callum Hudson-Odoi dropped to left wing back. Pulisic played on the right. And although, although a breakthrough wasn't found, it sort of it doesn't it doesn't bode well for 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 Chilwell, Chilwell owners uh, across the world, across the world. It doesn't bode well for Chilwell owners because it screams that he might not make he might if he's not going to play games if he's not going to make sixty minutes then then the clean sheets they're the bread and butter and it might be it might be that I have to go crawling back to Trent again. Which would be the worst. Imagine that, the number of transfers that I'd make. <laughs> It'd be my most transferred in player of the season. But um, in fact, let's quickly run through the other results as well, because there's been a, there's been some real content this week. There's been some great stuff to talk about. And and boy, there's, there's, there's one mode of transport that I think uh, we're all looking to jump on uh, at this point in time. So... On Tuesday, Crystal Palace uh, lost to West Ham 3-2 at home. Newcastle lost to Leeds 2-1. Arsenal beat Southampton 3-1. And Man City beat West Brom 5-0. A lot of Gundawagen, Sterling and Cancelo, especially action in that game. Uh, On Wednesday, Burnley beat Aston Villa 3-2. Chelsea drew 0-0 with Wolves. 
and Brighton uh, Brighton drew 0-0 with Fulham. Everton drew 1-1 with Leicester. And you won't believe it. Sheffield United got their <laughs> second win of the season against Manchester United. As predicted by yours truly, uh, they won 2-1 uh, at Old Trafford. And then uh, yesterday evening, Liverpool beat Spurs 3-1 with uh, goals from Firmino, Alexander-Arnold and a big who cares, I think, with Mane getting a bunch of points too. So um, big, big games. And let's start at the top. Let's start with Tuesday. There's, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about here <laughs> in every single game. But the most important thing is Man City, Jack. You jumped on the Gundawagon. Should I jump on the Gundawagon too with you? Mate, you know what? What well, after the KDB injury news broke, I knew that I was going to move to one of two players. It was either going to be to Sterling or to Gundogan. And I chose Gundogan, as you know, purely based on the fact that, you know, I want to find value where it can be found. And certainly Gundogan over the past three or four game weeks now, where he has been cementing himself into that, you know, into one of those three midfield positions alongside uh, KDB. But he seems to be a bit more of a, bit more of a potent attacking threat these days. I remember when Manchester City signed him and they sort of brought him in as squad depth and and just coverage in that midfield area for in case of injuries. And he was never really a, a consistent starter in his first couple of seasons. And I think it's only really recently now towards the back end of the last season and, and of course throughout this season as well, where Pep has started looking at him as a potential player who can, you know, in that midfield with the likes of Rodri and KDB, they can be the sort of three mainstay players in there and he can rotate the team around him. And Gundogan certainly steps up when he's asked to, uh, when you don't have the likes of KDB in that team, you do need a bit more of a creative spark in that midfield area. And it's certainly something that Gundogan has, adapt- has adapted well to over the last couple of weeks. But as you say, I mean, he was fantastic picked up 14 points off of him and and you also mentioned Cancelo as well and I think we have to talk about Cancelo now because certainly going into the game all of the stats and everything said you know he's gonna get an assist he does go ahead and get an assist and then he also grabs a goal and and that goal was I mean there was a lot of debate about that goal because the ball was played through into the feet of Bernardo Silva um the Linesman on the far touchline flagged for offside. We know that referees and officials at the moment are sort of persuaded to not raise their flag, to allow play to continue and then have VAR check it after the fact. But uh, the the linesman raised the flag. Uh, The referee played on, waiting because, you know, he wasn't sure about the offside. And he just, you know, he just whipped in a ball over towards the back post and it went in and... They checked VAR and he was onside Bernardo Silva in the build-up. And yeah, I mean, all of the West Brom players seem to just switch off. Which um, isn't surprising because that's how they've played for most of the season so far. <laughs> oh, it's 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 interesting that Man City, Kevin De Bruyne disappears and suddenly Man City find their form. Kevin De Bruyne gets injured for a season and suddenly Man City win the league. I, Jack, I hate to say it, but... Uh, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to present those two facts for you. So, so the question is, um, I think, I think from the games I've seen and from the way he's playing, it, he does look very, very attacking, doesn't he? Does Gundogan? He, um, 
he might be the pick. Is he? I, I, I'm asking you if he's the pick. I, later, I'm going to ask you another question about him. I'm going to ask you whether he's captain material, Jack, which is uh, probably means that he, he might be at least worth worth a punt for me. Speaking of, though, there's, he's not just the only cheap midfield enabler. West Ham play Crystal Palace. Susek, who another chief that you actually own, he obviously scored twice. And, and in the Arsenal-Southampton game, Saka, Saka got points, got big points on the board as well. Another du- double-digit haul for him. Um, alongside even, even, even Blooming Ward-Prowse of Southampton got an assist in that game. So, so all of the cheap midfield options... And Rafinha for Leeds, one of the cheap midfield options. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say Rafinha as well. You're gonna leave him out, but I mean, he chipped in with a goal and an assist. It seems like I've mentioned this a few times as well. Where now we're in a situation where we've got a couple of the premium assets uh, out injured. We have the likes of Salah not firing on all cylinders. Uh, Bruno Fernandez as well. We'll talk about the Man United game in in just a moment, I'm sure. But Bruno Fernandez, I feel like, well. Going into the week, 2.7 million FPL managers put the armband on him. And I think something like 40 odd thousand triple captained him because, you know, at home against Sheffield United, you would have expected big things from him. But he blanked and there's a lot more budget friendly options in that sort of five to six, 6.5 million price bracket at the moment. And it's very interesting because I think we're seeing a lot of diversified midfields I mean, I mean, myself included, you know, like you say, I've got Suchek, I didn't play him, but I've got Suchek and Gundogan and, you know, they're both less than six million currently. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And I think that there are a lot of a lot of options in that sort of midfield spot who might actually turn out to be very key players. I mean, you normally want to have these cheap playing midfielders on your bench uh, so that you know that they will play and then get rotated in. But it's very much looking like at the moment that these cheaper options are actually the ones to go for as opposed to some of the uh, more premium players yeah and it's absolutely the worst time uh for, for that to be the case as well in, in a really strange way because at the moment um the the, the premium so so Salah and Fernandez a little bit off the boil at the moment um the premium you'd look to uh, at a time like this or the premiums you'd look to at a time like this for example um Abamyang or, or Kevin De Bruyne are well, Bamyang actually is back now. He 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 had to disappear for personal issues, but Kevin is obviously out for a long time. Um, Sterling feels a bit hit and miss, despite the fact that he did get good returns. He got eleven points um, in the West Brom game, and the the other places you could spend your money, uh, the strikers also are either out injured. See Aguero and and Kane both out injured, uh, or and Vardy, in fact. Or or aren't performing because their name is Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> so there's so there's actually it's really difficult to to want to spend your money at the moment. It's really difficult to work out what premiums, if any, you, you even want to get. Whereas before, you pick up you'd, you'd you'd love to find budget options so that you could like load up on Aguero up front or, so, or something like that. So it's it's almost like it's good, but at the moment you can't capitalize it on as on it as much as you you could in the past. There, there, there are like I was going to bring this up as well. There are there's also sort of a lack of of striker options at the moment in general. Um, the Leeds game, Bamford came off early. Watkins scored for Villa, but but who else are you getting? Like like Dominic Calvert Lewin didn't doesn't look very good. Everton as a whole don't look like they're very very attacking at the moment. Um, Richarlison's a bit duff. What what's going on, Jack? Who 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 should we look at? I I mean I don't I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I think a lot of people at the moment are, are 
turning to Mikhail Antonio, but I mean, we both already own him. Bamford is a bit of a tricky one. Mm. He's, I mean, I say he's a bit of a tricky one. Really, watching him last season in the championship, he is always that player that's a bit hit and miss and he has hot and cold patches. He'll go, you know, six games without scoring and then he'll score five in his next two. And that's very much a symptom of, of what's happened so far this season for him. You know, he got he did bang in a hat-trick uh, very early on in the season and then he's been a bit of a, a, a smattering of goals here and there. Leeds as well, the, the formations that they play are a bit, again, it's a bit difficult to judge just how they're going to line up. And, and Bamford looks like he's maybe a bit off the boil. His first touch isn't there. Antonio, again, is a fantastic option. I mean, he was very, very unlucky not to get, you know, at least two goals. I mean, he hit the woodwork twice in that game against Palace. So Antonio looks like he's, he's the best option at the moment. But as you say, there's not, apart from the likes of Kane and Vardy, who are both out now, there's not really a lot of attacking options there. I mean, do you go with Bobby Firmino? Do, do you take the punt there? Because he's that player that Liverpool look to in terms of dropping deeper and linking up with the midfield. Lacazette could be an option with the way that Arsenal are at the moment and the way that they have been performing. But yeah, I mean, it, it very much seems like now more than ever, a lot of managers are turning to the sort of budget-friendly attacking options. I mean, Calvert-Lewin is back now. He was out for for a couple of weeks uh, through an injury and Everton have sort of re-established that front attacking three of James Rodriguez, DCL and Richarlison now. So, I mean, maybe Richarlison becomes an option there. But yeah, I mean, like you say, it's a, it's a difficult time for, for forwards, especially as well when you consider the fact that Aguero is, I mean, Aguero is still around, but, you know, injuries and then testing positive for, for COVID have sort of limited his chances so far this season. And I mean, I, I would like to see a fully fit Aguero, you know, over the next couple of weeks because I think that he can really add to that um, Manchester City attack so yeah there, there are very limited options at the moment yeah oh, I agree although with Aguero I think we've said that have we said that every week now it'd be nice <laughs> it'd be nice to get a fully fit Aguero but every week without fail a new thing comes up like gas he had a gas a gastro problem didn't he yeah I didn't know. I did. I, I was going to pronounce. I was going to attempt the full word though. There, like gastroenteritis or something. <laughs> but um, I I backed out so hard. So so it's 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 mega tricky. It's it's mega tricky to pick forwards at the moment. It's it's hard to pick midfielders. And and personally, I I think Salah is someone to to absolutely keep a hold of. And this is a whole new topic, I think. But yeah, a lot of people at the moment are talking about dropping Salah. Uh, switching to some are saying Mane, for, but 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 switching to like Sterling or, or just cheaper cheaper players in order to to spend the money elsewhere. But I think Salah is Salah, and and his, his price is is high for a reason. And although he's blanked what six game weeks in a row now, which is the second time he's ever done it for Liverpool, the returns are there. He got a he got a goal against Spurs that was disallowed, which probably shouldn't have been um, debatable. And I think you'd be mad. I think you'd be absolutely mad to drop him at the moment. On the other hand, Bruno Fernandes. Let's talk about Bruno Fernandes. So, so Manchester United lost lost 2-1 to Sheffield United. And my view of the game and the bits I've seen and the bits I watched, uh, the, the, the Manchester United midfield is dead. Uh, did, did you did you think similar? Did you, did you see the game? What did you think? I, I watched maybe about an hour of the game. I watched the first half and watched, yeah, up until the equalising goal for, for United. I think 
with United at the moment. It, it, I, I don't want to say that they're a one-man team, but they certainly they look a lot less potent when Fernandez is having an off day. We we all know what he's capable of. I think credit has to go to Sheffield. Really, I I, I think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knew what he was coming up against in uh, in in Sheffield, and they're always going to be one of those teams that are difficult to break down. There's nothing that particularly excites me about about Sheffield in terms of owning any of their players, but yeah, I, I just think it was a fantastic setup from from Sheffield um, to get that early goal as well in the first half, and you know that really put them on the front foot. Man United had to come out a little bit more. I think a lot of managers and maybe even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer himself were sort of taking solace in the fact that they have gone behind so often. Uh, this season and they have I think won all games that they've gone behind in apart from two and it's it was one of those ones where we all know what Bruno Fernandes can do on his day and he did have a couple of good chances but just wasn't to be maybe some injuries playing a bit of a role in the game as well you know Luke Shaw who arguably has been you know aside from Bruno Fernandes he's been one of their best performers so far this season I'd say and he was rested I mean squad rotations there but I I, I think that United can get back to winning ways very soon I think that Sheffield can take a lot of encouragement from the game and, and I certainly feel like they deserved that victory I mean the way that they were playing was you know we talked about it a bit last week, but they are going to be a scrappy team now. They are going to look to hit teams on the counter-attack with the pace that they do have and they do possess in the likes of Oli Burke. And I think going forward, there, there are promising signs there. But as I say, I'm not I'm not particularly looking at bringing any of their players in. But I think that they maybe, maybe might start to uh, turn their fortunes uh, around a bit in the Premier League. Do you, do you think that Sheffield United are going to pick up their third win of the season this this weekend because that's the sort of prediction I can get behind Jack <laughs> I could I could be really into that I wouldn't go that far because I think that Manchester City are a completely different beast uh, to Manchester United at the moment but yeah like I say I mean I, I think that they can take a lot of positives from the game and I certainly feel like Chris Wilder will be encouraged by by what he's seen um, they do have a bit of a uh, tricky fixture running so if they are going to pick up points yeah they, they are going to have to put in a lot more performances like that a key game that is coming up for the midweek next week is the game against West Brom so you know a bottom of the table clash and it's certainly one that is maybe going to define their season and, and, and how the rest of their season goes what's important for them now is to yeah as I say kick on from here pick up the points against the teams that they that are in and around them. I mean, that that's how you survive in the Premier League. You know, you just have to be better than three teams in the Premier League to, to not be relegated. And are Sheffield United better than three teams? Maybe not. But they still need to try and push on and, and be as scrappy as they were against United against all of the other teams around them. Yeah, I agreed. Although, having said that, Brighton and Fulham, it feels like they, they, they play out a nil-nil draw almost every other week at this point. But... um. But they, they, they had another really boring, dour game where they, they showed that uh, they're also very bad. So maybe Sheffield United could um, could make it. Oh, God, wouldn't it be nice if they did? Uh, well, I wouldn't like to see Brighton get, get relegated. <laughs> On the flip side in that game, Fernandez in midfield, very ineffective, almost silent the entire game, um, aside from creating a couple of good chances early on. Are you worried about about his influence on the game? Are you worried that he might be tiring? We've seen a lot of players, big players, get get injured from being overused, like like Kevin De Bruyne, like Kane now as well. Um, 
should we worry about because Salah's a freak, so we don't worry about Salah, and Liverpool have had a bunch of rest. But are we worried about Fernandez perhaps tiring and becoming either ineffective or, or potentially even injured soon? I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I I think again, you know what Bruno Fernandez can do on his day. The same can be said about Salah. The same can be said about a lot of the premium assets, injured or or not at the moment. And I think Bruno, his track record so far, and you know, it's been a year since United signed him, and in that year, it's been fantastic from from Bruno. I think that certainly both of us have to look at it from a point of view where we didn't own Bruno for you know what was it eight nine game weeks at least, and we were punished by Bruno Fernandez for not owning him. And I just think I, I take a lot more solace in the fact that I do have him on my team now, certainly when other premium assets in the midfield aren't perhaps living up to the expectations that, that a lot of people have put on them. Sterling, yeah, he could be a, a good sideways move off of Fernandez uh, across to Sterling. Certainly the fixtures are, are favourable for Manchester City. And as you know, we do have rumours of them having maybe three or two or three double game weeks in, in, in the future. So there is that temptation, but Sterling is a very erratic player. He's very inconsistent in my eyes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I take solace um, in, in having Bruno Fernandes there because as well, you know, when we're certainly targeting the premium assets, Bruno Fernandes is, is that player on that Man United side that can flick a switch and just turn it up a notch and he can you know go and bang two goals in the space of 10 minutes and we know that he can do that and he's been so effective at doing that for for United and bailing them out of trouble so many times and yeah I I, I don't know who else I would want to have in my team I mean the only other option would perhaps be Hyungmin Son because he just seems to be getting the uh getting the points week in week out really and and again do I really want to take Bruno out for Son? I mean, I want to have Bruno and Son, but I I don't perhaps want to take out Fernandez for Son. So no, I'm I'm not I'm not worried uh, to answer your question. Yeah, and that's that's good to hear. And actually, speaking of Son, we'll move on to that final game because there's something to talk about here as well. Spurs play Liverpool. They lost three one. Son actually had a very very good chance early on, um, but it was it didn't well didn't count. And the only goal that came from Spurs in the end was was Hoiberg, who is. So painfully irrelevant, it just doesn't matter that he scored. It really doesn't, except if you own a Liverpool defender, which which we both do. We both own Robertson, and he obviously blanked in that game. Salah blanked in that game. And the Liverpool defender that, that I've shown so much, so much faith in this season, and who I finally took out, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, he got a goal and assist. Mane got two assists as well, I believe. Absolute man of the match performances from both of them. Yeah. In a, in a world where we're really struggling to decide, and in, in fact, Mane got a goal as well. In in a world where we're really struggling to decide or, or to find premium premium options um, up front and in midfield, it does seem like all at once suddenly there are just a bunch of really good defensive options. I think Robertson is still absolutely in the conversation. Trent Alexander-Arnold seems to be getting it together. Cancelo got a goal and assist and a clean sheet for Man City um, in the 5-0 win against West Brom. Diaz looks to be a really, really safe place to put your money. Stones as well. There's there's a lot of, and even Chilwell, if you fancy Chelsea's fixtures and uh, taking a little bit of a risk, there's a lot of good defensive assets at the moment that I think that that, that are worth are worth looking at. And and that's what the game showed for me. I mean, there's a whole lot more to this game. For example, Mane, who is a premium, getting a boatload of points, which um, has sort of gone a little bit under the radar. Did you, did you check out the game, Jack? Did you sort of... 
did you take away anything from it as well? Yeah, no, I mean, look, Liverpool were, you know, they, they, they have been subpar, shall we say, in the Premier League over the last you know, five or the, the the previous five games to this, I think that they, you know, they, they they were struggling to score goals. And when Firmino scored, it was, I believe, Liverpool's first goal in something like eight hours of, of game time. So yeah, look, they, they have been struggling. They put in a very good performance against Man United. It wasn't good enough to, to get through in the FA Cup on the weekend. So the signs were there that they were perhaps starting to find their stride again. I think... When it comes to defensive assets for Liverpool, the only concern at the moment really is that they aren't actually, well, Matip played, but then he came off and again suspected that he agitated the injury that he was nursing on the pitch. And Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's apparently out for a long time now, Yeah, is Matip. So they're playing without a recognised first team centre-back at the moment. You know, we've seen Jordan Henderson over the last two or three games having to sit a little bit deeper and drop back into that. Uh, centre-back role alongside the likes of Fabinho. Fabinho wasn't playing uh, yesterday, so Matt Phillips came on for Matip and, I mean, he looked okay, but again, he picked up a yellow card inside like the first five minutes of being on the pitch, so I think that there are defensive frailties in the middle of the park for Liverpool, which again, maybe makes it a bit more risky to, to pick either Trent or Robertson. On their day, you know, we saw it yesterday, although Trent... Uh, conceded the goal he got a goal and an assist and all three bonus ended on I think 14 points in the end so we know that they can offer so much value going forward it's just whether or not picking a a, a safe option the likes of Diaz the likes of Stones or, or any one of these uh big strong centre-backs is that the way to go as opposed to having a Liverpool defender do we need to invest in teams that we think are going to be picking up clean sheets regardless of the price. I mean, it also brings to light a discussion and something that I wanted to talk about. And certainly in terms of the premium defence argument, and with the likes of the premium midfielders and, and strikers not not showing up or being injured, is there is there perhaps an option now, more than ever, to play a ridiculous formation, something like a 5-4-1 is, is that something that can be a viable option if we do think, you know, if, if, if we pack our defence with the likes of Cancelo, Shearwell, Robertson, Diaz, Stones, whoever it may be, I, I guess it's a, it's a high risk, high reward strategy. But is that something that maybe we can start looking at? It's, it's something we can look at. It's just hard, isn't it? It's hard to get that formation going and then to also jump out of it as well. When, yeah. for example, like Kane decides that his ankles are good again and... And like, let's say Salah starts popping off it. Like, it's really hard to jump back out of it. That's, I think, why people don't like it, because it's quite inflexible. It doesn't let you chop and change as much as perhaps uh, 3-5-2 does, or 3-4-3, whatever, um, where you can sort of jump a lot easier between those two formations and and swapping out an attacker for a midfielder or for a defender, uh, going like four at the back as well. So perhaps, but not quite. I think the time right now, Jack, is to just pick a good defender and stick with them. I was thinking, cast your mind back to, to when Brighton played Spurs, if you can. if you can. And you will remember me saying, and starting Lamptey, because I felt like like, <laughs> like the, the, the right fullback or right wing back could work quite well against Spurs' left side. And here I am, months later... And I'm like, I think I, I think I'm going to get rid of Alexander Arnold because I just don't want him for the Spurs game. I'll get him chill. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a better. Op- I'm I'm a fool. <laughs> I keep thinking about it. I wish I could have a conversation with myself back then, and uh, 
and change my mind. And of course, you don't own Son. But uh, did you look at him? Do you think? Do you, are you thinking about about Son? I know that you've got a massive wedge in the bank at the moment. <laughs> well, look. The, I mean, I mentioned this just before we started recording. The only or the main reason why I'm looking at at Son at the moment is because, as you know. Kane picked up a couple of well, couple of ankle injuries, plural. Yeah, uh, one one on each uh, leg, and he was subsequently substituted off. Um, so the feeling right now is that Mourinho is going to play Son in that central striker role. You know, he's done it before when Kane has been out um, over the last couple of seasons. So he knows that he can get Son playing forward, and we we all know how well Son has done so far this season in terms of you know outperforming all of the statisticians and all of their approximations of him and I feel like at the start of the season 9.5 million for Son was you know I'll bite your hand off really you know it's it's one of those ones where you look back at it now and in hindsight he's severely underpriced but I think yeah that that's the temptation for me is because I know that Spurs are going to be likely to be playing with Son up top you know it may give the likes of uh, Lucas Moura as well, a bit of a run in the team. Giovanni Lo Celso as well, um, and and they can perhaps make their mark on the team. Gareth Bale is is going to have his name thrown into the mix if Son is going to be asked to be pushed forward a bit more. Yeah, it's it's interesting. One one player that I feel like has caught my eye quite a bit over the last two or three weeks has got to be Ndombele. To be honest, I mean he may not get a lot of returns in terms of FPL points, but from a pure footballing perspective he he is everything that typifies a Mourinho team he is he can drop back he does his defensive duties well but when he's asked to carry the ball forwards he gets forward well he brings other players into the game and I just think that Ndombele if he can up his scoring output maybe he becomes an option maybe that's the cheaper option in that Spurs team, I still think I just knew you were going to go for a budget option. I knew it. It's so fun. I just, I, I mean, I still think that Son is is the place that you want to look because of just how consistent he has been. But certainly, Ndombele, whenever he plays, he, he seems to catch the eye of of a lot of people, and and even you know a lot of the commentators say he is that player that Mourinho likes to have. In the same vein of of Hoiberg defensively that that is what Ndombele offers going forward is is he's got that power he's got that strength he plays just behind the likes of of Son and Kane and and when he is asked to get forward he does and occasionally it comes off for him but more often than not it doesn't so I think yeah Son is definitely in the debate for for a transfer but I look at my team and although I've got quite a bit of money in the bank I don't know what I want to change about it well well this is the next thing Jack and and so after all of that, I want to first, so now we've gone through the results, I want to first ask you, how did you do? How did your team do? You're looking at them, you're happy with them, you, you, there's nothing you want to change. How did you get on this week then? Well, I mean, there, there, there's one thing that I want to change, obviously, and that is going back in time to, you know, Tuesday afternoon <laughs> and saying, don't change Suchek. Don't, don't, don't take Suchek out of your team. I did that. I transferred Dallas or, or I had Dallas on the bench originally and then I just substituted the, uh, him onto the pitch because genuinely I thought that Leeds would keep a clean sheet against Newcastle it wasn't to be I was foolish whatever I did okay I mean I, I could have done better 61 points is what I ended on in actually quite a relatively low scoring week in terms of the average only 42 points on the average but I mean all my points really come from four players and that was Cancelo, Gundogan, Grealish and Antonio and, and everyone else on the team blanked I mean Chilwell yeah he picked up 
a clean sheet, but he did get a yellow card. And yeah, there are questions now with the new manager in the mix of whether or not he is going to be a safe starter for them. I think that Tuchel would be silly not to not to play Chilwell for at least an hour each week. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I want to change about it. Bruno Fernandes, as I mentioned, I feel like a lot of managers got stung. Bamford coming off before 60 minutes. I don't know if that was just a bit of a rotation and not wanting to overuse Bamford. It is what it is. Like I say, Suchek on the bench is, is less than ideal. But hey, it's it's a lesson that I've learned and, and hopefully something that I'm going to refrain from doing in the coming game weeks. What about you, mate? Well, this this is it, really. So despite our best efforts, Jack, we actually were only two players different this week. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, whereas you're saying, oh, well, basically, I got all my points from 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 basically two, three players. Um Gundawan included. Yeah. Gundawan's one of the players that I don't own. So <laughs> instead of instead of Gundawan and Dallas, I had Son and Mount who combined for a total of three points. And I did, as a result, obviously, a lot worse than you, and I got 48 in the end. Um nice to see Jack pick Jack Grealish picking up some modest returns over the last couple of weeks, though, isn't it? And um the headline that I don't even know if you've noticed, well, you probably have is that you're now exactly one point ahead of me in overall points in fantasy football. <laughs> I did not know that. You're on 1162 and I'm on 1161. And uh, it pains me. If Mount had just started, if anything had just gone a tiny bit differently, um, or, or in fact, yeah, or if Susek had just not been on your, your bench, eh? But uh, we're, we're, we're dead close now. And um, we're about to get closer because this week... Um, my my transfer this week, and I, I've gone straight into this. My transfer this week has been to to absolutely just get rid of Mount as soon as possible, because <laughs> I'm terrified about the things that Tuchel's going to do at the club. I'm terrified about Mount's minutes, and um, frankly, I've been looking to get rid of him for ages. And and the options were well, we've we talked about it. There's plenty of cheap midfield options to move to. Uh, I could have hopped on the Gundawagon, uh, could have gotten Saka, who I've been eyeing up from a distance. Like a, I've been eyeing him up from a distance, like a forlorn lover, just watching. Him. <laughs> um, I'm very keen on on a lot of these midfield options, and I've gone, I've gone for Gundogan, Jack. I've jumped on the Gundogan. So the only difference between our teams right now is is it's like Son versus Suchek or Dallas, whoever you decide to play. And uh, frankly, I'm happy to be on the wagon with you. I'm happy to be on the wagon, rolling along, content, absolutely content. Are you, are you worried? I'm not happy about it. I'm, I'm not happy about it one bit. I'm not happy about it one bit. Of course you're not. I, I, I bring in Chilwell a week later, you bring in Chilwell. I bring in Gundogan a week later, you bring in Gundogan. I'm the one that's trying to diversify our teams. And now it's, it seems like it's a, it's a weird game of cat and mouse between the both of us where someone will transfer in a player, they'll look good and the other person will be like, oh, maybe. It was like, you know, earlier in the season when you kept bigging up Robertson and I was like, maybe, but I've got Trent, but I don't want to double up. But And then Trent started looking a bit off the boil and Robertson came into the fold and it was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stick on Robertson. And again, with Fern- I mean, I wouldn't really say Fernandez is, is in that same category because Fernandez was always one of those players that... I wanted to bring in, but I was just so reluctant to do it myself. So I feel like, yeah, Fernandez was always going to happen. But yeah, mate, I mean, Gundogan, certainly recently now with the reports that came out from Pep Guardiola saying, I think he got asked a question from a journalist saying, OK, what about Gundogan? Is is, is he going to be rested on, on the weekend? And Pep was like, 
No, certainly not. He's going to play. I mean, Gundogan got 14 points and he came off after 51 minutes. I think Pep knows that he wants Gundogan to play a crucial role in in their fixtures in the Premier League. And yeah, when 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 you look at it, I specifically bought in Gundogan because I knew that Manchester City had a run of three games where they would be playing West Brom, Sheffield, and then Burnley. Now, granted, Burnley defensively have, have looked a lot better, um, and and Sheffield will take a lot of solace from their win against Man United. But I just think that Gundogan, he's he's really doing a job, mate. I I I really like him as a player. I think he's filling the KDB boots very, very nicely. He's on pens potentially as well. So there's always that added bonus. You talked about it briefly earlier about him potentially being a captain option in the game against Sheffield. And currently, as it stands, my armband is on Gundogan. Whether or not it stays there is another thing. I don't I don't want to change my team. You you know how much I regret changing my team last week and, and it's currently on Gundawan. Oh no. I look at the other options on my team in terms of captaincy. Am I gonna be bold and put it on Cancelo? Can he do it again? Will he start? Who knows what Pep's gonna do? Salah looking a bit inconsistent. Uh, you know, maybe even Antonio becomes an option with now Liverpool's injury doubts at the back and Antonio's looked very much on form. Is is Suchek a good option? Mate, I, I honestly think that there's only one standout captain this week and it has to be a Manchester City player. I know a lot of people will, will most likely be putting it on Sterling if they have him. Maybe even Son uh, does get a look in as well away from home against uh, Brighton. But I, I can't remember the last time that I had the armband on a player who cost less than £9 million. And that's the current predicament I'm in at the moment because Gundogan is, is only 5.7. He's only 14.5% owned out of you know, 7.9 million players. And he could be a very, very big differential. Oh, he could be, couldn't he, Jack? At the moment, mine is on Son. And yeah, sure, it's Brighton, but it's away. And and Spurs haven't looked that great and Brighton are okay. However, and and I'm ticking some boxes off, Jack. I'm, I'm thinking about my original checklist. I'm thinking about <laughs> even updating the checklist, right? On-form player, on-form team, scoring a lot of goals against the one of the worst teams in the league who definitely have poor form despite... I know they beat Man United, but that's it. They've, they've beaten Man United. They're, they've beaten no one else except Newcastle. And, um, and they're at home. Oh, you know what? You've talked me into the into it. You've talked me into the uh, into the Gundam. <laughs> oh no! Please, in- please don't let me talk you into the Gundam. Oh, I'm gonna mate. do it. Uh, if you want, if you want to put it on Son, then you know you you do you. I don't want to influence. No, I think I think it's the move. I think the Gundam wagon is rolling. <laughs> I'm getting on board, and it'd just be silly not to. It'd be absolutely silly not to jump on board uh, the, the the wagon. I keep saying it like that. It's actually become a massive meme. It's all over the place. People calling him the Gundawagon. <laughs> I didn't realise that at first when I when I originally said it early on. I mean, it was years ago that our friends started doing it. So, so maybe maybe that's just been a thing that's been under the radar for a long time. But either way, I'm on board now, Jack. And it's it's basically going to be if you captain him as well. The only difference between our teams, which are one point apart, is going to be Son Son's performance against either Dallas's or <laughs> Sushek's performance. Which, um, 
I don't know. I feel favoured there. I feel like I might be able to pick up a point or two. I think, I honestly think Liverpool with their defensive struggles. I mean, who's who's going to be marking Suchek in the box? If, if West Ham, inev- well, when West Ham inevitably get a corner or a set piece and they ping that ball into the box, who's going to be on Suchek? I mean, what is he, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, I don't know who's going to be marking him. Maybe, maybe James Milner? Uh, maybe you know Henderson will be put on him, but I think that you know Suchek will definitely have one up on 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 Henderson. Um, I I think as well. You know Moyes mentioned it two three weeks ago. He's trying to get Suchek to play a bit more further forward and and support Antonio in in the attack now, and that's certainly what he's shown that he is capable of doing. It was against Crystal Palace, so maybe you know you have to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt and reflect on it a little bit. But I I just think that. A depleted Liverpool defence is maybe something that the likes of Antonio, Jared Bowen even as well, and then maybe Ben Rama will actually decide to turn up uh, and, and play for once. So I don't know. I think that, that West Ham West Ham are currently, you know, riding that wave of I think they're unbeaten so far in, in the calendar year. So they are very, very much on form. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm saying that I've currently got Robbo in, in the starting lineup, so I have both one one foot in each camp, should we say? So I, I, you know, I want Robertson to do well, but I also want the likes of Suchek and, and Antonio to do well. And when you look at the fixtures, it's definitely going to be one of the games that I'll be keeping a keen eye on over the next uh, couple of days because it's again, it's just a it's a chance to assess Salah. It's a chance to watch Antonio again if he does start. I know West Ham are, are trying to. Uh, bring in a a replacement striker for Sebastian Allaire to give Antonio a bit of respite. But at the moment, I mean, yeah, that that is definitely going to be the game um, that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on for sure. It's, um, well, Jack, let's just quickly do a little checklist. Ari Suchek, um, playing at home, check. Playing against a team that have have had quite poor form in the league recently, check. (laughs) Is Is he on good form himself personally? Check. I'm I'm only seeing reasons to captain him. I'm only seeing reasons that you should captain him. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, so that's going to be fun. Our teams, unless you, well, unless you make a transfer, Jack, our teams will literally be decided by one player, which is kind of fun. However, I've made my transfer. I've gone Mount to Gundogan. Have you, have you, uh, I know that you said that you're happy with your team. There's no changes that you'd like to make. Are there are there any changes you're you're thinking about either either this week or or, or more long term? Is there anything that's potentially on the cards for you? Any weaknesses that you might be looking to address? I don't know. Is <laughs> is is the best way to answer that question? Nice. I it's 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 difficult at the moment because we know that there are some blanks and double game weeks on the horizon. We both still have our bench boost chip. Um, I saw. Well, I wouldn't have had it if. Games weren't postponed during the uh, most recent round of uh, double game week fixtures, so I probably would have used my double uh, my bench boost originally. What it does leave me with at the moment is I've got a, a sort of, I guess, double game week hangover team, as it were, in that I planned to be playing, you know, my bench boost so that I had a bunch of playing players on my bench and. It, that didn't work out. I ended up going with a triple captain. That also didn't work out, but. Now I've just got, a, well, effectively a, a full team of, of players, apart from Jed Steer on the bench, but I'm not really looking at bringing in a substitute goalkeeper. Uh, so I've, I've got a bunch of players who play who are maybe not the most valuable assets, but they are taking up money on the bench and it's it's unwanted money on the bench. It does give me good options for rotation, of course, but 
when I've got Dallas and, and Sufa and they play Leicester and Liverpool respectively, it's not something I'm I'm too happy with. But again, I don't really want to jump the gun and make any transfers until I know a bit more about teams who are going to be potentially playing in double game weeks um, over the next three or four weeks. So I, I, I want to try and get as much information as I can. I've seen a lot of stuff about Manchester City having, I mentioned it earlier, you know, having maybe two double game weeks, maybe even three double game weeks over the next uh, month or so. I, I'm not sure where I stand at the moment with my team. As I said, I don't want to make any changes. I mean, Grealish is looked good and, and he's got a relatively favourable run of fixtures coming up. Do I really want to double up on, on Manchester City defensive assets? I know it's something that I've talked about quite a lot, but that limits me if I want to potentially bring in the likes of Sterling or KDB when he's back fit. I don't know. The only the only player that I'm potentially looking at getting rid of, not this week, I'll, I'll give him one more week, is probably Patrick Bamford, if I'm being completely honest. I think, as I mentioned earlier, he's a bit off the boil at the moment. He, he puts in good performances once every five, six game weeks. But then again, we talked about it earlier. Who do you look at to replace him? DCL with Charleston maybe top the list. Maybe you give it a couple of weeks to see if Tuchel can get the best out of the likes of Timo Werner. But then do you really want to take a punt on a player who's, you know, 9.2, 9.3 million? I don't know. The sideways move could be across to Watkins, but I've sort of blocked myself off from doing that because I own three Aston Villa players already. Che Adams, uh, whatever. I mean, Danny Ings, maybe. Maybe, uh, I don't know, I, like this is it, it's the lack of striking options at the moment is a bit difficult. Maybe maybe I just go with Antonio as, as the lone striker. Maybe I just play a 4-5-1 and I do double up with the Manchester City defence. I, I don't know, I don't think I'm going to be making a transfer this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, my I'm leaving myself open to a lot of changes if I want to prepare myself for the upcoming blanks and doubles. So... I'm in a good spot, I think. No, it's weird because obviously we have the same teams and you've actually just mirrored a lot of my <laughs> thoughts as well. My, my strategy at the moment is is to try and aim for three Man City players um, eventually for when the yep. double game weeks roll around, which is probably one of the reasons that the, the made it a lot easier to get in Gundogan because he sort of fulfills that criteria. And very similarly, I've got what well, I've got over two million in the bank. You must have an absolute fat wedge <laughs> and um, I think potentially there's the opportunity to, to upgrade Bamford, as I said, but I don't know if there's a chance that Leeds will have a, a double against uh, Southampton, but then could just get in Shea Adams anyway, right? So there are there are some options and, and I'm in a similar camp where I really need to see how things go and, and we really need to wait until we get news because we've all got, we've got quite settled, quite reasonable teams at the moment. Um it could just be that maybe like maybe Salah becomes Sterling just randomly because Salah picks up an injury or, or something crazy like that. But uh, for now, I'm also quite happy with my team. And uh, it's just Bamford who potentially could be could be replaced. Having said that, actually, I, I, I remember I was just I'm, the more I think about Gundogan and the more I think about copying you. The more I think, it's very, very similar to. Do you remember when Jota? When I was when I got Jota, in, I was I was like, Jota is Mane 2.0, except he costs half the price. Gundogan is KDB 2.0, except he costs half the price. It's exactly the same, except the roles are reversed, and it's you telling me to do it. So um, I think we're one-one there, and it'll be it'll be really good to see to see whether my son beats your Susek. Although I actually suspect 
that he probably won't. <laughs> You're, the things you've said about how how likely he is to be a big aerial threat against what, a team with literally no centre backs. The more I think, yeah, he's just gonna he's just gonna score a hat trick, and, and that just makes sense. So um, I'm terrified, Jack. I think you're going to extend your lead over me this week. No problem. How about that? You happy with that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy with the idea of it. I don't want, you know, I don't want to jinx it or anything. But as you say, I mean, KDB, when, when I had KDB in my team, I had nothing in the bank. I dropped KDB down to Gundogan and I've got 6.3 million in the bank. I look at my team and I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that's a decent looking team. I have a look at my squad value and or my team value, should I say. And it's at, 98.2 so I'm looking at it and I'm like well hang on it's it's a team that's not even 100 million and and they all play week in week out so I've got a fairly decent rotatable squad there are areas that I want to improve on maybe Chilwell will be on the chopping block seeing how again you know give Chelsea a couple of games to see how they adapt to a new system I know Chucho is very famous for you know mixing his tactics and, and not sticking with one formation constantly throughout the course of a season certainly um, his days managing Dortmund and, and PSG show that and yeah I mean I'm I'm Again, like I said, I'm, I'm sort of leaving myself open. I do have 6.3 million in the bank, which effectively is just a sixth midfielder sat in my bank at the moment. Um, so yeah, Saka, you could just have Saka. <laughs> I mean, well, this is it. If, if if I could, if I could play a three-six-one, I probably would, just because I think that there's a lot more value in in a midfield and, and the cheaper midfield options at the moment. But like I say, I mean, an obvious move might be Suchek Tucson, but. Suchek has just been so good. Yep, we'd have the exact same team then, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would, exactly. That's the thing as well. And I can say I'm 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 happy with my team. Maybe maybe you improve the goalkeeper, but I think Martinez is Martinez is doing as good a job as I think that we were all expecting him to do, and he has picked up a few clean sheets as well. Maybe he's been a bit off of it uh recently, but we do know what he's got in his locker and, and he is a fantastic goalkeeper. So I'm 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 happy, I'm glad I've got money in the bank and I'm not hitting the panic button yeah i'm just waiting basically for the next round of fa cup fixtures if i'm being honest because as soon as the next round of fa cup fixtures are announced i think it's just after game week 23 is when the uh, fa cup fixtures will take place and then we'll get a bit of a better understanding of what teams are going to be playing when and, and what teams are going to blank and double and i'm sort of just holding on um it's very rare this season that i've held the transfer i know that but you know, I, I can see it coming in to uh, benefit me in, in, in the short term. Yeah, no. I, well, we're in exactly the same situation because we've got exactly the same team, basically, which is uh, is, is how I feel too. <laughs> Although uh, you, you said that you'd love a 3-6-1. Man, I'd love like the 0-16-0. Just, just, just eight Gundawans and eight Sackers <laughs> in midfield. And you just... Uh, <laughs> You just, just captain whoever. It doesn't matter who you captain, really, does it? And I think that wouldn't that surely... I mean, I'm not going to do the maths now. Surely that would outperform like all the other options, right? Just just eight Gundawans and eight Sackers. <laughs> surely, right? That, some, something I'll do... I'll, you know what? I'll bring the results of my homework to the next podcast. I'll, 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 I'll bring that and, and let you know whether eight Gundawans and eight Sackers would, um, would, win, would win FPL. <laughs> then you'll find out otherwise we'll quickly run through the fixtures that are coming up this weekend they're all on Saturday and Sunday this time which uh, feels like the first time that's happened in a long old time um, we've had a lot of fixtures piling up over over Christmas and and in fact 
uh, after that game, break on Monday, and then straight into midweek fixtures as well. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if we'll run through all the midweek fixtures. We'll just we'll do this. We'll do the weekend, and then I'll pick out some big ones from the midweek, and we'll probably talk about them all next week on the podcast anyway. So on Saturday, Everton play Newcastle. Crystal Palace play Wolves. Man City will lose to Sheffield United, perhaps. Uh, West Brom play Fulham. Arsenal play Man United, and Southampton play Aston Villa. On Sunday, Chelsea probably beat Burnley five 0 Chelsea play Burnley. Leicester play Leeds. West Ham play Liverpool. The day wraps up with Brighton versus Spurs. In the midweek, uh, there's actually there's not a whole lot of, of, of interesting fixtures except for the only thing I really care about is that on Thursday Spurs play Chelsea, which is which is the big one. Otherwise, you know you've got Man City versus Burnley, Liverpool versus Brighton, and Man United versus Southampton, and of course the massive six pointer at the bottom of the table that you talked about. Uh, Sheffield United versus West Brom, where maybe Sheffield United, fresh off their five-one victory against Man City, will will be will be up for it. Will will fight West Brom and and potentially even get out get out of the table. So I've made my ridiculous predictions. No, 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 no. It's not ridiculous to suggest that Sheffield United aren't going to get relegated at this point, <laughs> is it? Well, maybe. Um, Jack, have you got any any ridiculous predictions? Anything final you'd like to say before we wrap up? I am going to predict an Emil Smith-Rowe masterclass against Man United. And do you know one thing that we haven't talked about, and perhaps we'll be talking about it uh, next week when we do review the the midweek games and, of course, uh, the games from Game Week 21 as well. Martin Odegaard has moved to Arsenal. Maybe, maybe he can be that creative spark that they've been lacking. Um, And again, you know, Arteta has turned to his youngsters and he's on loan there from Madrid. hasn't quite made the cut there, but who knows? Maybe Arteta can get the best out of him. Yep, it comes as no surprise to me that um, you've picked another cheap six million he's come in at midfielder <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as one to watch. You just love a cheap midfielder. And uh, we, I love with him. that, I think we'll say goodbye. And uh, thank you for listening. Catch you next time.